Scott Kaplan here from InLife Wellness and InLife Coaching sitting down today with Troy Phillips. We're going to ask Troy a bunch of questions about health and wellness and, and, and life. He's, he, he can be philosophical at times, so we hopefully have a couple of good answers, mate. But um, I think we met late 90s, 99. I recall I was a, in my early 20s trying to go for a home loan as a casual employee and pretty much failed a lot of the criteria. But um, thanks to you, got over the line. And then after that, we started working together in a health and fitness capacity. I think I remember you were about 123 kilos. You got down to 111. And over the last 20 years, you've, you've had some ups and downs with your, your weight, not so much your health or fitness or your life. I often think of you as an example of someone who's never had a problem motivation-wise with exercise. But uh, it's just these last few years in particular where you've taken your weight from 136 to 102, and I always say the best results look like when someone's doing it easy, but it's not that it's been easy, you've just been so, so consistent. So, I mean, have you had any health and fitness epiphanies the last few years or just changed the way you look at your exercise and nutrition? I think a bit of both. I think as you get older, you have epiphanies because you see people that you know and they've been friends for life have heart attacks and, and you know, other illnesses and you look at yourself and you go, in your mind as a man, you always think you're the same bloke that looked in the mirror you know, 20 years ago, but you're not. So when you see major health crisis hit people that you know and, and you love, you think, well, it's now time to get that in order because it's about living lo a long, healthy life not about how you look so that sort of that was sort of something that changed me and over those years from being a you know young guy at 20s when i was fit i've been as low as 90 kilos and i've you know got got over the 130 but when i trained i never trained to i felt really good sometimes when i was 120 125 kilos i felt fantastic about myself so it was never about how i looked or how i felt it was just mm -hmm. about lifestyle for me okay what do you mean uh nutrition or alcohol or do you mean like living a quality life as you do get into your 50s? And yeah, I, I think 100%. I think, look, your nutrition and alcohol just changes as you get older. Like, you, I used to look at guys that got to 50 and thought they didn't drink as much beer, and I, I thought they were fairies. But as you get older, you don't drink as much beer because, you know, you've, you've probably got the T-shirt by then. You've done enough of that. You start to enjoy, the, you, start to enjoy you know, nicer wine. Um, and you've had that many conversations with the same people in pubs, you sort of start to think, well, there's other things to do in life. Mm -hmm. So it's just, life just steers you away from that. Yeah. So that's, that's, they're, they're the easy things to get rid of, unless you're like one of those, I was never a guy that came home and had six beers every night or anything else. You know, I was, I was um, you know, once a week, but it was either none or a hundred. And what about uh, these days? What does a week of exercise or, you know, just basically activity look like for you? These days, I've always been really structured. I mean, Max, as you know. So run through it Monday to Sunday. So on Monday I'd wake up and April and I, these days we go for a really long walk. April's my wife um, and she keeps good tabs on me. We go for a walk um, and then I'll do Pilates on a Monday. I try to keep it pretty easy. On a Tuesday it'll be um, a, a walk early in the morning, then boxing. Wednesday I love to play, these days I've earned the right, I love to play a bit of golf in the first group at about you know, 6.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. Um, and that involves a walk. Thursday's group PT with a good bunch of guys I love training with. Um, followed by a coffee. Fridays is um, a bit of weights mm -hmm. with uh, another guy that I do the group PT with. Saturday can be a, um, another long walk um, and then I'll play golf Saturdays if I'm lucky enough to get in these days. Um, it's so busy. And um, Sundays, April and I'll go for another walk together as well. Okay. Um, so I keep it pretty simple and I keep it stuff that I can do and I like. Yep. So there's a fairly decent volume of relatively low impact activity. Yeah, low impact. I don't want to do any, there's no more deadlifts, 
I, I'm bringing back some weights, but there's no more like, you know, setting records on the bench press or buys and tries for me. It's yeah, actually, yeah. it's all functional stuff that means I can move. Yep. You know, I'd prefer to put body weight squats and push-ups and that sort of stuff into my exercise regime these days mm -hmm. than sit there and punch out bench press on a, in, on a bench. And I think COVID sort of changed my mind on that stuff as well because you couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So the big one that probably resonates with a lot of people, probably 95% of people I meet and want to lose some weight, could be two kilos, five kilos, could be 30 kilos. But I remember, it was, I don't know if it was five years ago when I, we, we brought up the topic of the morning fast and not eating much in the morning. And, and it's a bit like when you tell a bloke in his 50s to do Pilates, they look at you like you're an alien. But you slowly started to push brekkie back a bit later, get through the morning on a couple of coffees. And now, you'll go some day, days and your first meal can be um, 1 or 2 p.m. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I try to wait till 1.30 for my first meal, but, but I was never a big breakfast person anyway. Yep. Um, and then when I finally, I was, I'm a slow learner, but when I finally worked out calorie deficit, I thought, well, I can just go to lunchtime without having anything. Like three coffees, getting rid of milk in coffee was hard. Um, replace it with oat milk or like a, a, an ink stain of, of yep. cream. So that's easy to do after a while, but the milk was a hard one, but I don't miss it. You don't miss it. You sort of become a connoisseur of like, you know, yeah. short blacks and ristrettos yeah, yeah, and everything yeah, else. Yeah, you, yeah. you sort that's of cool. think you're an Italian connoisseur after a while. <laughs> ink stains are Troy's nickname for the black coffee with the, the dash of cream. I right? didn't make that up. My wife made up <laughs> the ink right. stain. But, but um, that's cool. It takes a bit of the bitterness out of the coffee. But um, yeah, if I had a signature food plan for, I guess, weight loss and even energy and mental acuity, it'd mm. be, you know, get through the morning on coffees and water. Meal one, sometime around midday, afternoon tea, and then yeah. meal two. And but sometimes you go two meals. I think last week when I saw you on Tuesday, you'd, we boxed at two p.m. You'd had a banana up until then. You know, yeah. Like so. But, but vice versa, fancy. I think people can have. If you don't like dinner, have a big breakfast and a lunch, and then just miss something at the end of the just day. Miss something. So it's not so much a debate, but over the years, some people question the whole calorie in, calorie out thing. But you think the calorie deficit is a key to lose weight. Well, if you're not playing sport and you're not training yeah. that way, it's probably the smartest way to do it. Yep, yeah. Um, and I think these days, like, you know, the world's changed. People are more conscious of health and everything else, and there's not as many long lunches and that sort of stuff these mm -hmm. days because people are just well aware that, you know, health, healthy mind is, is, is you know, mm -hmm. ensures that at work you're on point. I think most... The world's heading that way. You just have to pick up the papers these days. It's um, there's health and wellness is all over the place. What about when you when your weight did blow out or something that you weren't comfy with? You, you saw an endocrinologist. Was there a reason for that? Did you think you might have had hormonal issues? Oh, mate, I always had a big wardrobe. But when you start to hit the top end of the wardrobe, you, it's sort of a barrier. You don't want to go any bigger than you got the you got the big, the medium, and the small. But there's no room in the wardrobe. So it was at a point where you know I actually always trained really hard. So I was always somebody who trained with structure. And I tried to watch what I eat. Um, and I suppose I got to eating later at night and I was doing all the wrong exercise. I was doing like heavy weights and, you know, eating carbs late at night, um, which I saw, I saw nothing wrong with because when I was in my, you know, 20s, 30s, early 40s, it didn't worry me because I could out-train a, out a big diet. But um, April said to me once, like, babe, you're, you're training really hard and you don't overeat something's got to give, like, you know, I think she felt sorry for me. And she goes, you've got to go to a doctor. I think you could have, um, you could have sort of insulin resistance. I didn't know what it was, but, or you could have high cortisol, which is like, you know, these the high cortisol level means you're putting on weight. There's something not entirely right. So I went and did all these different tests and I didn't have insulin resistance or, or, or um, high cortisol or anything else. Um, I, I just had a, 
bad diet at the end of the day, I'd say, for me, for my body. So I went through all the tests and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't diabetic or anything else, which was great. So I went to an endocrinologist. And there's all sorts of ways they can give you, uh, you know, tablets to stop your appetite, to start and everything else. So that's a start. But you know what it is? It's just accountable. When you go to them, if you get the right, I've got the right guy. He's a bloke. He was a, um, a, a, young, a young endocrinologist and he looked after April's father, Al. And his name was um, Dr. Bobby Chan. And I sort of clicked with him and you sort of feel, it's like, you feel accountable to someone. Um, I felt accountable that if you're going to go back every you know, four months to see him, you want to like at least do what he tells you to do. So it's more about diet. He'll tell you to have a crack at doing some keto. He'll explain stuff. And if you stick to it like five days a week or six days a week for a while, you get results. So I think it was more accountability. And the good thing was I didn't have any major health issues because I was going through a phase where I wanted to get I got my heart checked and everything else because I got to that age at 50 where I wanted to make sure I was actually healthy. I wasn't just kidding myself. Because yep. when you look in the mirror, you're never as fat as you think you are. You always look like, you know, it's like shallow hell, isn't it? I was looking in there, I didn't look any different. Look back at photos, but that's how, you know, you still think you look good. I've never had any self-confidence issues. <laughs> no, you never lack confidence. But uh, so what, what does a day of eating look like for you at the moment? Do- I generally pretty structured on, um, you know, I'll have coffee in the morning, coffee mid-morning, uh, grab something at about 1.30, which could be like a, a chicken salad or something like that. Um, and then, you know, dinner is always pretty healthy. I think on, on the weekend, on Sundays, I like to call it a day of eat where I'll actually eat whatever I want. Mm. I'll really go hard yep. um, because you've got to do that. You can't, if it's not sustainable, you won't do it. No, I mean, so it's not, not perfect. You're not freaky about it. It's just, nah. just sensible. I'm not perfect. If it's something come up in the middle of the week or on a weekend, I'd do it. I'm not perfect about it because that's not, I'm not training for anything. I'm not an Olympian. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one of the Hemsworth brothers, so it doesn't really matter. I'm not making money how I look. So you've been in finance for 30 plus years. Tell us about your work. Is it, do you enjoy it? Is it, is it busy? Is it stressful? I love what I do. I mean, I started in the bank as a young guy and studied part-time and, you know, I thought in those days, back in 1986, I thought if I'm not running Westpac by the time I'm 40, you know, I'll stand up rooting in George Street. It would be that easy. Then um, the world changed and People never left banks in those days, and I got a couple of opportunities, but the best thing I ever had in the world of finance was having, um, having a couple of good mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of just flowed. It, it's been a long road, but it, in reflection, you look back, it was by just hard work and discipline and some good decisions, but I love helping people, and I managed to get into a few other businesses by that, mm-hmm. probably because I've got a, a practical approach to things, and. I'm good at managing crisis sometimes, but yeah, you know, with First Point and MAS, I, I, I love what I do and I love the, the people I work with. Small businesses are, are, are fun businesses because small business problems are hard problems to fix. You can't, they're not like a massive corporation where you just throw money at it and then you hide it and it's not shareholder money, it's, um, it's real money. So small business problems, you only get one chance to fix them, you don't get three or four. So I, I enjoy that challenge and, um, you know, I, I can only see that, uh, I've got you know, plenty of time left for that and I've got plenty of ideas left to me. So business-wise, uh, mentally, in a, you know, uh, mental agility, I feel better than I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you get stressed much or in, and how do you handle that? Uh, I think I do get stressed, but I don't know how I, I, I internalise it. I always think, you know, still tongue, wise head, keep a smile on your face under pressure. And these days, instead of reacting, I sleep on something. Mm-hmm. I generally go with the flow because I think the next day the solution sort of finds you. Mm-hmm. The minute you pick up a phone or send an email under stress, all you do is actually compound. You get one minute of satisfaction and you get like another 10 days of problems that you've caused yourself. Um, 
which is, I don't know how people haven't worked that out, but if you sit on something, um, or if bad news finds you, or the, the outcome finds you that you're not expecting, don't react straight away, because the answer's not the first or the second or the solution that's sitting in your head then, because it's usually like, it's a, it's a hasty decision. Mm-hmm. And I've made plenty of hasty decisions in life, and, but you've got to live by the sword and die by the sword. I've made plenty of mistakes, but, mm-hmm. you know, as Kerry Packer used to say, you've only got to get six out of ten right. <laughs> what about, you touched on helping people, and um, I'm trying to think of a better way to say it. Like, I was going to say you're a bit of a, a, bit of a slacker for helping people, but you, you rarely say no. I mean, is that part of your, your, your makeup? Like, you, I mean, I know you're good at it, but do you ever feel like you know, not helping someone or do people come to you for help a lot? I suppose I'm asking because one of the themes of my life is support, like I've received a lot. I also like to, to give a lot, but uh, where do you see helping people? Is it a part of your, you know, your life philosophy? I think it's not, I think you've, it's got to be in your nature and I don't know how it came about that way. I didn't, I didn't want to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sort of, uh, you know, I'm not a benevolent society. I, I help people that, are, um, that I can see are worthy of helping. Um, but it's not something you focus on, it's just something if you do the right thing. I've never ever thought about, oh, what's in it for me, you know, if I do something for someone, because I've always found that if you do something for someone, it's pass it on. I've always been lucky in life. When you least expect it, something turns or something happens, it's good that it's been happening for a while. So mm-hmm. by helping people through life, you know, I expect that, you know, it, it, good things will happen to you, but life's not a bed of roses either. So mm-hmm. I just try to do the right thing generally if I can. Um, and if it flows on to helping someone else, you know, I, I'm, you know, I think a lot of people that know me, I'm not legitimately a, a person that gets jealous of anyone or anything. I'm, I'm generally pretty happy for people to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that I know have done exceptionally well have always been very generous with their time and they've been good to me. So I've got, you know, I've got that as a payback, which is, makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. What about, um, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about business and then we talk a lot about health and fitness. And, and for me, the third big one is family that's always been a, a constant for you you've got april there and and uh you got jack is he like 23 now remy must be about 21 yeah, is that right rem's 21 jack's 24 april's 39 <laughs> um yeah family's good we, we we were lucky enough april and i to meet really at a young age and got engaged at a young age and always say they should have called docs the day we had to put the, the day we had to put the bins out i didn't, I didn't I was you know, 23 or something um so family's important, you know, yeah. family's always important to anyone, but family's uh, like, it's not like the Brady Bunch either. Like every family is like, there's always crisis and there's always good and bad times in families. And, you know, we're, we're lucky enough that we've had a lot more good than bad over, over the years, mm-hmm. but we're getting to that age now where we're, you know, we're getting older, I'm getting older. And, you know, our, the people that we love in our lives are getting older and the, the, natural, the natural order is that they're gonna pass away. Um, so, that sort of means that, you know, as you lose grandparents and even great-grandparents that, you know, my children have been lucky enough to have, um, it's, that's the natural order. And that, to me, is, is a good thing because, you know, you, you, you want that to happen because it's, uh, the alternative is, is, is catastrophic. But, you know, I, you know, I've been lucky to have a blessed life with family and everything else for, you know with health and, you know, wisdom and everything else. You've had your fair share of uh, good, good holidays? Yeah, and, plenty, um, plenty of good breaks and plenty of good times and plenty of laughs. And, but like anybody, when the kids are young, everybody they always say to people, you go away and, you, you know, as the dad, you're jamming your finger in a pram and you're shouting like, you know, Homer Simpson at the top. So it's not like it's, uh, as I said, it's never like the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your, your best mate and business partner, 25 years, 
Brett Hartley a, a couple of years ago contracted uh, brain cancer yeah. and he probably passed away within a year. Was it oh, you got, you got, you, No, you got a bit longer. You got a couple of years. Yeah, Brett, Brett Hartley was my best mate and also my business partner. So it was like, I was one of those guys that would probably not do something by myself. So we were like, you know, one was the accelerator, one was the brake. We were a really good team. Um, and he contracted brain cancer, but you don't know anything about that when you get it. But it was, it's, a pretty, it's pretty final and he had a, a grade four glioblastoma, which, which was... You know, you don't Google it when it's there, but you know, Brett put up put up a good fight for uh, over two years, and at the age of 47, and you know, three young boys, he passed away. Um, so that's never on the that was never on the horizon. It was like you know, I think in the, in the nothing's like the books. It was maybe like Butch and Sundance, you're right off into the sunset, but that didn't get to happen. But you know what? You realise in life, you get thrown curveballs. It was like it was a it was a terrible thing at the time. And it's still terrible now for a lot of people involved in it. But out of that, you take a lot of solace in other things and you learn a lot more about yourself. Mm. I think you slow down. You don't, you should look at life differently, but at times you, you don't look at it differently mm. um, because talk's cheap. But, you, you know, you definitely have a lot of good memories and you have a lot of good lessons in life from that. And you expect that, you know, you expect that you take that forward. But, yeah, Brett was a, Brett was a ripper and it was a sad loss to me and it was something that was never expected. Um, but I think in some ways it might define me in, in some ways in work and business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about, um, back to the endocrinologist, change of pace, like he did recommend a, a drug called Saxenda that you took for a while and yeah. you got some good weight loss results, but then you stopped taking it and you kept losing the weight. Like it wasn't yeah. so much a placebo, was it? Or did you take it? And you no, I think it works. It? I think for me it works, but I know other people, you know, I, 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 it's a, there's that, there's a few other ones there, but I think that it's, um, I think that it can be a bit of placebo as well because I, I think that you're doing something to, to achieve goals because I've got mm -hmm. a couple of mates I've put onto it that haven't, hasn't worked for them. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when you're going, you go to a doctor and they give you something, you want it to work because mm -hmm. you're turning up. So I think there's a bit of placebo involved that you're going to do a bit extra, that you don't want to, you know, going on PT, you can get some of the good results for the first four or six weeks, but doing it for two years sometimes if you're not a natural athlete mm -hmm. and you're not going to level, you can fall off the wagon again mm -hmm. because your body gets, as you get older, you get injuries as well. You know, like you've got a, a guy or a girl there that's super fit between 30 and 40 that's got you doing things that you'd never do before, but all of a sudden your body breaks down and then you'll, that's, that's the biggest risk with PT. So yeah, I reckon you've got to get the balance right with good medical advice as well. Mm -hmm. So earlier we touched on, you know, things like deadlifts and your approach to exercise has changed a lot in the last five years. Did that take some getting your head around? I mean, you, you could, you would throw around a kettlebell in the past or mm -hmm. go for a little road run, but every time you do it, you, something seems to, to, to go on you. And now, you know, you want to be strong for your golf and- Yeah, for life. You want to get fit for life. And I, yeah, I, kettlebell swings, deadlifts, they didn't, I had a bad lower back anyway, but it was never working for me. You had to go along and do this, I think this new thing's hit, H-I-I-T. For me, it didn't work. At a certain age, it doesn't work for you. But I'd always, you know, I was always a runner and that sort of stuff to keep, it rip, used to rip weight off. And, you know, I've had a few comebacks at running, but it just jars me up and deadlifts and kettlebells. All it did was damage my lower back. I'd get out of bed like I was 85. Um, and I just made the point that anything that's going to hurt my lower body or make me feel real sharp pain I'm never doing again in my mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. so kettlebell swings and deadlifts and anything heavy on the lower body in the joints that's gone now it's more about flexibility that's why things like Pilates and that sort of stuff is far better for your body and mm -hmm. and stretching but also things that you enjoy doing 
if you get there and you're, you're dreading going there, mm-hmm. don't do it, find something else. So high intensity exercise, um, smashing yourself, getting your heart rate through the roof doesn't always equate to weight loss. I don't think it does. It makes you hungrier. And then you think, then you tick a box and go, I did the best hit out. And you can do like a 50 minute hit out. It's the best hit out you've ever done. And you can be big doing it, but all of a sudden you've warranted that I can eat like anything I want this morning because one, I haven't eaten and I'm starving. And two, I've exercised like a track star. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go and eat whatever I want. So I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. And no. For me, for other people it might. No, well, I know it doesn't. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. But, um, you know, we say that some people think there's the old saying nutrition is 70% of weight loss, but I always think it's closer to 95 because I see people exercising seven times a week and not losing weight because yeah. the nutrition's not right. Unless you're going to try and be the first human being in the history of existence to lose weight while consuming more calories than you're expending. Yeah, I know. But, um, no, I just think you've, you've nailed the formula now for yourself. And I do think it is different for everyone. Like with everyone, there's a little key that unlocks the door to big results. With and it's timing too. Nutrition. Yeah. Jim, what do you mean by that? Well, You've got, to, you've got to have the time in your life. At certain stages, you're young and you're busy and you haven't got the time. So you've got to, you've got to be smart with your time. Mm-hmm. Um, seven days a week. Some people love it because it's a really big part of their life. What, their exercise? Yeah, their exercise. And I enjoy it because it makes me feel good, but it's not a massive part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a part of life that's a necessity. So you're better, you're, you're better eventually get close to it, even if it's low impact, because if you don't, you know, Everybody's going to get old if you're lucky, and you want to be an old person that can move around, mm-hmm. have flexibility, be able to get up and down out of a seat, all the basic stuff as you get older. Yep. No, I agree, mate. But um, that's pretty much all the questions I want to ask you, except the last curly one, you know, where you've got the two years to live. And, yeah. Uh, you can do whatever you like. What, how would you spend your time? Oh, mate, I'm, I'm very content in life. I'm, you know, I always say I, I'm, I like mediocrity because every, every now and again I surprise myself a couple of times a year. I wouldn't want to go and, you know, I, I, there's not anything that money would do for me to be spending time with my family and doing exactly what I do and keeping it as normal as possible. Like maybe do a bit of travel, but there's nothing you could, you could do that would, I'm not doing now that I don't enjoy. I love my life, I'll, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a good place to be. But thanks for your time today, mate. No worries. Thanks, Scott. Right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.